podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. This show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and today. When I was a little boy, way back home in Liverpool, my mama told me I was great. was a teenager I knew that I had got something going All my friends told me I was great And now I'm a man A woman took me by the hand And you know what she told me was great welcome back to yesterday and today hello we got another story so far episode for you today Mm. i'm paul kaminsky i'm wayne kaminsky and i'm james kaminsky you guys haven't heard much from me or paul if you don't remember we're a family and we do this (laughs) wow (laughs) oh james different energy (laughs) different energy Are you drinking right now? No, I wish. Oh, maybe you should. (sighs) Have a cracker. We're doing another Story So Far episode. We got a lot of great feedback the last time we did this, so we're back here just doing a little bit of recap since we last talked to you. I think when we last spoke to all of you, we were still, I guess, toward the tail end of 71, even somewhere in that region, and we hadn't even got into all the wings stuff and all this, so... We're back here today to talk a little bit about 72 into 73 as we quickly approach the end of 1973. Let's kick things off a little bit here talking about 1972 recap. Now we have wings on the defensive. Dad, in 72, what were your thoughts when these different sort of scattershot wing singles and wildlife was coming out. What were you thinking? Because I know you've often said that, and we've heard on the podcast, that Paul was the least popular former Beatle at that time. What were your thoughts at that time? Well, for me, John Lennon was the least popular in my mind, actually, because he put together the Sometime in New York City album, which confused right. me. And also, you know, I, no offense, but I heard Yoko. So... That kind of just turned me off to the whole thing. I was expecting to hear just John. But, you know, it was a Beatles, so, you know, I politely listened. I bought all the stuff, you know, submitted the petition that came inside the album to have Lennon stay in the U.S. That came inside the album? I don't know if we talked about that, Mm -hmm. did we? There was a couple different giveaways in the album. There was a postcard 
the Statue of Liberty, there was a little flyer, an 8x10 flyer, that came in with a petition to let Lenin stay in the United States. Huh. You fold it, and you put a little piece of tape on it, and you mail it, you know, obviously. Was it self-addressed, or did you have to provide your own stamp? I think it was a stamped, undressed elephant. <laughs> yes, that's what it I remember that part. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's my memory of sometime in New York City as far as the album was concerned. It was nice to see a picture of George Harrison with John Lennon inside the album. Really? What was that from? Well, the Lyceum Theater concert was the second album in that collection. Um, it was a double right. album, so right. that was kind of a twofer. And that was the fall of 69, right? That it was. Also, it had... The other side, which was the Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. Right. And yeah. as we heard, that was a bit of a bone of contention with uh, Frank Zappa with the production and everything. It seemed like Lennon um, got the tapes and doctored them to the way he wanted them. Oh. Did you like Zappa at the time? Um, not really. Uh, you know, not, not to go off into a tangent, but uh, maybe you can... Uh, uh, do one of his albums on Now Hear This. <laughs> um, because he did a... What a wonderful plug. Thanks. He did a song called Baby Snakes, <laughs> which uh, which is worth listening to. But anyway, he was a different type of fellow. And in a lot of ways, he was just like Todd Rundgren in that respect. You know, guitar player turned... Right. Um, not, <laughs> no, guitar player turned... Uh, right. Weirdo. A little bit of, uh, you know, different type of music. So Yeah. Known weirdo, Frank Zappa. (laughs) But but that was 72. I mean, 72, as far as the singles were concerned, Wings Wildlife just came out in 71. So, you know, going into 72, we had High, High, High and Sea Moon. Give Ireland back to the Irish. Give Ireland back to the Irish, which I remember in high school, people loved. The kids in my school, most of them, the majority of them, about 85%, did not like Wings. They thought it was more like the Partridge family to them. Uh, you know, the, you know, we we were on the cusp of uh, Led Zeppelin, Deep Purple, you know, in rock, those kind of albums, you know. But ninety five percent of them were Irish Catholic, and so they really loved this song. <laughs> they they really liked good music, you know, uh, different type, not good music, but different type of music. But Give Ireland Back to the Irish hit a chord with them, and they really liked it. They said it was the best thing that. McCartney ever did, Hmm. probably because of the guitar work of Henry McCulloch. Just touching on your school days for a moment, and uh, James, I want to ask you the same question, but, you know, we've heard often the times that from the time the Beatles split up into maybe 73, 74, there was a the Beatles were uncool kind of thing happening, at least from what I've gathered listening to a lot of different people talk about it from the era. Oh, they're broken up there are you know they seeming perhaps passe even a few short years after the breakup dad did you ever get that perception when you were going to school in the pre-73 74 times were the beatles passe or was it cool to like the beatles or was it uncool most kids in my high school really were not into them okay wnewfm 
in New York was the Righteous Station. And most of the kids, as I recall, listened to that network where Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band just started to uh, come out around 72, mm. 71. Right. So people followed them. People followed uh, Crosby Stills. Now, as far as the Beatles music is concerned, I think they felt that it was a, a staple, probably high up there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as far as the music that was coming out after they broke up, I would say they pretty much didn't really care too much. From what I noticed, I mean, maybe, right. you know, in different circles that I didn't hang out in, maybe they did. Mm. Right. Now, James, let's fast forward to the 2000s. I was going to say, I did not go to school in 71, 72. <laughs> no, but what was your, because from what, the way I kind of delineated in my own mind is maybe after Lennon was killed, that's the modern Beatles we know today, the ones that went down in history, because the moment that Lennon is killed, it becomes impossible for the Beatles to get back together, and so they become a thing of history. But I, for, at least from my point of view, anthology in the early 90s was maybe the thing that made them a little more cool again. Yeah. And there was new product out. There was a lot of buzz around this new product. The Beatles were still young enough to kind of be out there and taking press photos together. They had never really taken those kinds of photos together since then. So that's what I always envision as the cutoff point. But that said, in middle school and parts of high school, it was very uncool for me to like the Beatles. James, was that your experience? Uh, not so much. Beatle people tend to find other Beatle people, so I definitely, if I wore a shirt, you know, or a Wings shirt or a Beatles shirt, you know, people would mention it and comment and be cool about it. I mean, yeah, there was there were people who were, uh, you know, into other things and were like, yeah, I hate the Beatles, uh, but no, no one ever like thought I was less than high school maybe like freshman sophomore year but once i became a little more yeah. self-confident in, in who i was people are like yeah it's fine whatever that's my dad's music but whatever you know right, right but at the same time you know it ingratiated me to a lot of teachers tended to like that i liked the beatles and then yeah. used my trivia knowledge as some sort of weird game to play <laughs> so like they'd be like uh, you remember this thing that happened? And I'd be like, yes. And then they'd be like, well, uh, what about this thing? And then so we'd have discussions and stuff. I remember specifically in like study halls, you know, talking to my teachers and stuff about that. But yeah, college was very different. People were learning a lot more. I would say Beatles 1 definitely opened up a lot more people okay. to it in yeah. my high school experience. I guess that would be middle school experience. But, but that's about 10 years after anthology. It's interesting. Every 10 years, there's kind of a beat like that but that's interesting i never thought about one being the thing but yeah i guess that's right and then what about rock band too did that rock band blew up yeah that was i mean the beatles had at this point cemented themselves as a as a staple of music and as like the mozart beethoven people right. of modern generation so like even if people didn't like them they accepted them as yeah i get it these guys were good even if they didn't like them they're like sure they created all this stuff but you know yeah. So it, right. it was a whole different feeling. I would say Paul McCartney and Ringo became way less cool in college than George and John, I think, because George and John did die early and young. Their legacy became, like you said, cemented in place. And so people right. saw John as his, you know, revolutionary self. People saw George as his, like, 
enlightened self right and uh paul and ringo were left dealing with modern society paul trying to make (laughs) modern pop hits and ringo still making the same music that ringo's been making for the past 30 years (laughs) well that's interesting you say that you're right like they got stuck with the legacy and they had the i guess at times advantageous and at times disadvantageous job of being the ones who had to still be there and answer the questions and i think there was a turning point maybe in the last 10 years or so where it became cool to like paul again i think chaos and creation was maybe the start of that because he was i mean we're getting way way off topic here but since we're here nigel godrich you know was the famous radiohead producer okay he, he got that little boost of the art crowd kind of yeah you know endorsing what he was doing and then you have like a, a bona fide hit like dance tonight in apple commercials in memory and then so on and so forth down the line so i think in mccartney's had a better go of it maybe in his more twilight years mccartney transformed himself from out of touch grandpa to cool grandpa in the yes. past 10 years yeah so let's go back now to back to 73 let's let's skip ahead here to 73 because we're in the time in 73 where all four are still alive and there's still the possibility that they're going to get back together and in 73 it looked like it may actually have happened and just fate kind of stepped in and did its thing and it wound up not but we got super close with the Ringo album dead what was your first thought when you picked up the Ringo album when you were a kid? First of all, when did you get the Ringo album? And second of all, what did you think of all the Beatles being on it? That must have blew your mind. Well, for one thing, going back to what you said, as far as us getting very close to having them reunite, as we will learn in 1974, it gets even closer. Mm, yeah. Looking back on the time, I can see that it was happening. What we've learned in these episodes is, you know, John and Yoko broke up, and whether you like Yoko or you hate Yoko, Yoko was always booed at Beatle Fests in the early days, right. in 74, 75. So people knew that she had a big influence on John. So mm-hmm. as long as that influence is gone, there was always that possibility. And you know, yeah, we were all hopeful at the end of the 73 and into 74 and part of 75. Now, to answer your question about Ringo, I bought the album when it came out. I waited and I remember buying it at Stan Morris Music Company over in Perth Amboy, New Jersey. <laughs> and um, I think I paid like four ninety nine. It was great. I loved it. I, you know, um, I would look at the back cover, and it came with you know all four Beatles mentioned on the back cover. Three of them on one song. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't believe McCartney did Mouth Kazoo on another song. You know, that was a single. It was fantastic. Yeah, Ringo calls it the Mouth Sax at one point in time, and that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> that is that an, one letter away from something far more concerning. <laughs> <laughs> Go eat a cracker, James. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, leading up to that record, I mean, don't forget, the LPs that were coming out, we had, you know, Living in the Material World, we had the two double Beatle albums that went yes. number one. Uh, we had Red Rose Speedway with that beautiful medley at the end on side two, similar to what he did on Abbey Road and McCartney. Not to mention My Love, which was right. a huge, huge yeah. hit. And Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth, huge hit. And we had, in 73, we had Mind Games, you know, which wasn't that bad. It was a lot better than Sometime in New York City. So Mind Games, especially with some of those songs I really liked, Tight As and Bring on the Lucy, 
And then we had a slew of 45s come out in 73. So far, we had about six or seven that came up. Right. The biggest Beatle record to come out in 73, we haven't even gotten to yet, which is, of course, Band on the Run, which we'll mm. get to. Yeah, very true. Let's talk about Mind Games just for a second, because that's an album that I struggle with a little. It has songs on there which are some of my absolute favorite John Lennon songs from his entire career. As people who listened to the episode where Ryan Brady and I drove around in a car and nearly caused our listeners to careen off the road will know, My Wife and My Wedding Song was out the blue, and that's off of Mind Games. I love I Know I Know, and I love I love all these songs. Meat City? That one's great. I, I love Meat City. I love Meat there's City. There's three different versions of it, which is great. Then there's some on there that I just don't. I think are sloppy or feel lazy or phoned in. And ultimately, I think the album, just for me personally, feels a little scattershot, a little all over the place. And I find it tough to listen to, honestly, as one record all the way through. Hmm. What are your guys' thoughts on Mind Games? James, thoughts on Mind Games? I thoroughly enjoy that the Newtopian anthem is on there. (laughs) It is a great song. (laughs) And if you've ever been to the Newtopian embassy at uh, number one White Street, it is a bar. Yes. Which is perfect. Do they have any plaque or anything still there to denote it? I haven't been there since 1973. So, or so. Well, Dad, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mind Games. I put it on occasionally. I think I'm with you, Paul. There are some tracks that I would, if I don't have it on a record or something, I do skip to. Mind Games, I like the title track a lot. Mind Games, the title track doesn't grab me. I've... It's one of the few Lennon hooks that really burned its way into my head is, it, is just him screaming the chorus to it, and that... It's one of the, the quintessential Lennon tracks in my okay. own personal head. Well, that's good. I mean, you say that the hook, like that song is nothing but hook. Like there's no, yeah. what I guess I would have wanted McCart- like a McCartney to go in and add a middle eight that was interesting or some other deviation. To me, I find it to be repetitive in a bad way, but that's, again, that's my that's personal fair. opinion on it. But the, the repetition really did work its magic in that I remember that song very prominently <laughs> on the there album. I mean, not only for the, the fact that it's the title track, but... And Meat City, like I said, is, is great. Whoa! With any Lennon record, there are almost as many songs that I don't like as songs that I do. Fair enough. There's like one exception to that, and that's um, Walls and Bridges is like the one exception. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also, I think I'd slot Plastic Ono in there too. I think both Walls and Bridges and Plastic Ono, that's those fair. are my two favorites. I could listen to those all the way through all day. So Mind Games is good. It's one I'll put on regularly of the Lennon ones I put on, but Lennon's never been my favorite Beatle, and he's, you know, it's never been easy listening to me always. It's a lot more political and a lot more gritty and dark and really emotional, and sure, it's beautiful art, but that's why I have my McCartneys and my Ringos, my cool grandpas, 
to go to and and uh, and, and Boogaloo, you know? <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need the Partridge family, right? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, Dad, at the time, what did you like? I know you said you felt Mind Games was a step in the right direction. Yeah. Where do you think Mind Games ranks in Lennon's catalog? Hmm. I would probably... Do you think it's up there? No, no. Again, it's probably, out of all his albums, probably the third least. Okay. You know, I mean, I really never liked the song Mind Games. I don't know why, it just... Man, I am in <laughs> It just never felt like a John Lennon song. I didn't know what was happening with that song. So, you know, the other songs on there was great. Intuition reminded me of a Beatles song, to be honest. I like Intuition, but I find Intuition like, and this is, I really was thinking this when I was listening to Mind Games again with these episodes. I was thinking, boy, this sounds like a happy-go-lucky song about nothing in particular. It is. Just like Paul would write. Yes. <laughs> I thought that. I find a lot of songs on Mind Games to have that kind of happy, skippy little thing that he criticizes Paul for, and it made me think, well, what a hypocrite. <laughs> I think he missed it, you know, to be honest with you. You know, Lennon... In his early days, 63, 64, would write those type of tunes and with McCartney. And I think, yeah. you know, he stopped. And I think he really subconsciously missed it. Well, there is still some introspection there on Lennon's part in all the songs in one way or the other. I like, uh, you know, one thing I noticed about Mind Games this go-around that I didn't notice last time. One of my favorite songs on that album is One Day at a Time. And one thing I noticed about it this time around is that Lennon kind of just ripped off old brown shoe because old brown shoe is just opposites and one day at a time is also just opposites i don't think lennon did it intentionally but i just found it kind of funny that they all talk down about george all the time and then lennon repeats a george trick four years later or whatever it is and mm. i think george is perhaps more successful with it on old brown shoe i really love that song in one of the episodes when lennon was going back in the studio in new york at the record plant to do mind games, you heard Yoko saying that Lennon just didn't feel right. He didn't feel easy. And when Lennon commented on it, he said it almost was like a job. So he yeah. was like churning out records, almost like a job. And it was no wonder why I guess he stopped after a while, because maybe he just got bored with himself right. in the kind of music he was putting out. Although I do believe Walls and Bridges, to me, that's my, almost my number one album of his yeah but i'm not the artist it belongs to the listener <laughs> yeah after a certain point absolutely and let's get back to george for just a moment here living in the material world was his big follow-up to all things must pass and i gotta say it's another one where i feel like i don't really put this thing on much Oof. man i am in disagreement with you so <laughs> this episode I, well okay well let me defend myself for a moment because i know everybody really loves that album and i really love dark horse and everyone seems to universally loathe that album <laughs> but let me let me just that was his cocaine album <laughs> i know i that's why i like it i think for me living in the material world is a sequencing problem i think there's a lot of slow songs all bunched together that kind of start to sound the same to me and while they're all beautiful and i mean that sincerely even the ones i don't really listen to i, I think they're beautiful in fact this go round i gained a real appreciation for Be Here Now that I hadn't had before. That song is a masterpiece.
me, it's buried on an album of very similar sounding songs. And I don't really think his voice, when he does that, like, I'm going to try and be a Motown singer voice, it just doesn't suit him to me. He's got a solid rock voice, but when he's actually trying to, like, hit notes and woo-woo and all that stuff, I really I really don't think he's doing his voice any favors. Again, just my opinion. So mm. I struggle with that a lot. Although, Sumi Suyu Blues, the title track, Don't Let Me Wait Too it's Long. A solid A-side. Oh, yeah. Yes. The A-side yes. Is, is, yeah. is brilliant. And so I can see what you're saying. Like, the B-side can drag a little bit, but... Like you said, it's got some, to quote the kids these days, it's got some bops on the, on the A side. <laughs> well, James, what do you, because, sorry, so I'm not super into it, but what, what's your take? Because you, you like this uh, one. I put this album on a lot. I had this album framed in my college dorm. Like, this is, <laughs> this is one I, I really, really, really enjoy. It's like the first George album I discovered by myself. I dove into it myself and learned about it myself and enjoyed it. And I think for that reason, it has a, a comforting appeal to it. The George kind of Motown thing you're talking about, again, has a comforting feeling to me. I This might just be nostalgia goggles fogging it up, but this is the George I grew up with was living in the material world because dad played this one a lot too, at least yeah. in my recollection. And I don't know, I, it's a comforting album. Sumi Suyu Blues, for all its bite, is like a really solid song oh it's great uh, give me love is so good i like that one it's a good album dad where do you land on living in the material world it's a good album i enjoy it it's not my top george harrison record but um i like it better i thought you know i bought it when it came out again <laughs> i liked it better than all things must pass to be honest wow um, it had a lot of good songs on it wow his guitar work especially was good that's a major statement <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, well, don't forget, All Things Must Pass, in my opinion, was just one album, even though it came as a triple album. Yeah, but that jam disc, I really like that instrumental disc. I don't mm. know. It, uh, all right. Getting back to living in the material world. I enjoyed it. I thought it was a solid track. The title track made you think. The Light That Lighted the World. I love that song. I think it's great. Mm -hmm. So, no, I do believe it was a great album. Again, you got that album that came out. You got Lennon's Mind Games and you have the Ringo album all came out along with Red Rose Speedway. Yeah. So for 73, it was packed with good stuff. And it was going to get better. Right. Well, let's wrap the discussion then with Red Rose, because that album is a favorite of mine. I know it's a favorite of yours, Dad. Mm -hmm. James, where do you land on Red Rose Speedway? Gotta love Big Barn Bed. See? Uh, <laughs> love that song. It's, it's nonsense, but I love it. It's beautiful nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> Willow, 
Leaping armadillo, yeah. What? <laughs> Don't forget, he was doing a lot of pot. <laughs> well, yeah. Just ask Glenn Johns. <laughs> uh, James, what's your favorite song with the word armadillo in it? <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Uh, I, I guess it has to be that one. Uh, I could Google something, but... Uh, it's also got a pigeon-based song on this album, so okay. it's not to love. Single Pigeon, great another song. favorite of mine. Love that song. Also, Get on the Right Thing, which is... Woo, this whole album, full of bops. Uh, this whole year. full of, This whole year slap, as the kids say. <laughs> the thing I was most conscious about listening to... Because Red Rose, like you, James, were talking about living in the material world. Red Rose was the one up on my wall in college, and... I really have an affection for this album. It was the first McCartney CD I ever bought with my own money, if I'm recalling correctly, and I'm not sure I am, but I think I am. It always holds a special place for that, and I was more cognizant of listening for the difference in the tracks this time around between the Wings tracks and the Ram leftover tracks, because the fact that this album is split in that way, I find to be some of McCartney's insecurity showing. Maybe he was a little nervous and felt like he needed to fall back on some of that comfort food material that was not good enough for Ram, but at, I guess he felt at the time, but good enough for this one. So James, you mentioned Get on the Right Thing. That's one. All the people who make fun of current songwriting for saying like the same word over and over and over again, this album has Hold Me Tight, Lazy Dynamite. <laughs> I just want that to be out there. Not McCartney's best writing. <laughs> that was a medley. <laughs> you got to think medley. So sometimes I play albums while I'm playing video games because that's how I like to listen to albums sometimes. And Susanna was in the room for one of those. And the sigh that came from her during Hold Me Tight, Love Me Right, and then they're just Hold Me Tight. She's like, God, what? What is he doing? <laughs> and I was like, it's it's indefensible in a way in the lyric part, but I find his the melody in that medley to be one of his best. Like I really love that medley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do like Oh Lazy Dynamite. Like when it starts to get into that, that's when it I start to enjoy it. But oh, oh, I'm with Susanna. I'm I'm sighing. <laughs> what More. is it doing? More, <laughs> Dad. Where did you land on Red Rose at the time? <laughs> on the highway, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. I, lo- I thought it was a Beatle album, you know, as a kid. Again, you know, I was a kid, and the album came out, and I wanted the Beatles, and I got this. And I thought it was fantastic. I love Single Pigeon. Uh, recently, I've been to Regent's Park, which is right around the corner from Abbey Road, and it just brought it all back together, you know, the imagery that he used in that song. Um, right. So I-, I just thought the whole album was great. Little Lamb, Dragonfly... Another Ram holdover. Well, at the time, I didn't know it was a Ram holdover. I just accepted it as their album that they made. Right. I thought it was a little bit long for what it was. <laughs> and then later on, I found out, you know, in doing the special and other interviews, that it was about a, a lamb that died <laughs> on his farm. Which makes it way sadder. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> Very yeah. dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they ate him. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I assume they did, but still. <laughs> he had a stomach what? ache, so he was yelling, hold me tight. Uh, little known fact, that's why he, they became vegetarians. You know. <laughs> what price veal? 
baby cow. Never mind. Do we eat baby lambs? What are the babies we eat? James, what's your favorite baby to eat? Don't, don't care for this question. <laughs> well, a lot of great music in 73, and yes. I think it's got some hints of things to come for 74. Right. You know, 74 in some ways is a little similar to 72, actually, where there's like a big album at the end of the year that's rode into the next year, and you also get, boy, the Lennon stuff in 74 really explodes, so we're in for a lot of great stuff coming up, and thank you, Dad, for taking us on this journey, because it's always great going through this stuff, but the new things you've added to this special for the podcast have been tremendous, and I've been really enjoying listening to them. Oh, thanks. So, uh, yeah. So thanks, Dad. Yeah, I've been enjoying making it. It's, um, you know, I mean, or redoing it because it's an old special that I worked on back in the early 90s. And to rework some of the audio and rework some of my commentary and rewrite things, it really made it nice. And the old ones are collector's items now among the Kaminsky's. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm glad everybody's getting to listen to the ultra deluxe version with twice as much Marietta Little Lamb. uh, (laughs) I'm sorry about that. (laughs) But I did like that song. We should explain. We had a listener write to us. They're saying, hey, I love the show, but why did I have to listen to Marietta Little Lamb seven (laughs) times? And I would be lying if I didn't. I was drinking at the time. I'm going to hear that one more time. <laughs> be lying if I said I didn't have the same thought. <laughs> um, so, I don't, James, D- Dad, I don't know how you turned me from somebody who liked that song into who doesn't like that song anymore because it's usually the inverse. Mm-hmm. But thank you, Dad. And uh, we've been really enjoying this. We hope everyone out thank there you. has been enjoying. We've been just really thrilled with the response to this show. In our year and change we've been on Pippo, the show has just really taken off. And uh, it's thanks to you, the listeners. So we want to thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yes. For the rest of this episode here, we're going to have a, a special presentation, let's call it. Now, James, you and Dad interviewed myself and the Take It Away podcast's very own Ryan Brady about our new show, Now Hear This. (laughs) Yes. And we're going to feature that interview here in a moment, which will explain the show. And I think in this interview we say when it will be out, and it's because we recorded it an awful long time ago. So actually the first episode, and at the time of this recording, I think the second, there will be a few episodes out by now, so everybody... Go check those out. And I, what, do you, what do you say, guys? What do you, what do you say we hop over this interview? Sounds great. Uh, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> scrambled eggs. And I had a lamb. <laughs> Man, that would have been a far better joke. I remembered it like it was scrambled eggs. <laughs> take two. Take. No, take it away. <laughs> now hear this. <laughs> No, this is how we're starting the, the oh, show. Oh, good uh, God. Welcome to this segment in which, What's we're, going on? <laughs> with which we're talking with Paul and Ryan about their brand new show, Now Hear This. Paul and Ryan, how are both of you doing? I've taken over this interview. I don't, I, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. 
I was gonna say you should be afraid, but I'm gonna die. I'm gonna be very. I'm gonna listen to Paul. Paul's my boss <laughs> on the show, and I do what he says because he gets very angry. Uh, Ryan, you're having a wonderful day. I'm having a great day today. Yeah, when the day we're recording this is uh, a release day in the music business, and what will go wrong will definitely go wrong on a release day in the music business. So it's just whack a mole. But I'm having a good time. I'm happy to be here with you guys. Oh, good. Just ask Ringo from Bad Boy. <laughs> <laughs> and that voice you're hearing right now is our father and yours, including Ryan's father now yep. at this point, Wayne Kaminsky. <laughs> <It's> my new dad. <laughs> wow. Now Hear This is your guys' new podcast in which you each listen to a recommended record, correct? Yes. And come back and discuss this said record, usually new to one of y'all. Well, you know, we've both been on separate shows where we're focusing in on one very specific artist. And the episodes are one very specific album for one artist. And it attracts a certain type of audience that is only interested in one thing. And we thought, well, you know... What if we talk about different artists? You know, what a novel idea uh, for that. <laughs> and I don't know. It just came from a lot of conversations. Paul and I have a lot of fun when we record together, and it's quick. If the episode's an hour, you're probably only recording for an hour and two minutes or something like that. Yeah. So it was just easy, you know? Yeah. I think I approached you because I was a fan, big fan of uh, your show, Ryan, Take It Away. And that's that's oh, how we met. I was I was listening to your show. And yeah. everyone on this call right now is a big fan of Take It Away. And if anyone listening to this interview right now has not heard that show, definitely check it out. It's a the complete Paul McCartney archive podcast where they go through every Paul McCartney record. And everyone on this phone call is also a gigantic Paul McCartney fan. That is true, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm 60 feet tall. <laughs> I am the largest Paul McCartney fan there is. You're 5911. Don't come don't give me that. I like Pete best. Well, what a wonderful segue, 60 feet tall. James and I host a Jack White podcast. That's that's a song Jack does. And so James and I do a similar thing to take it away, although our topics are a little more varied. Ryan, you and Chris Mercer, your co-host tend to stick to album by album going through. Yeah. But I quite like the album approach. And sometimes James and I do that. And then Dad, the show that you do that James and I help produce is uh, Yesterday and Today. And that is more of a chronology of Beatles history. And so between the four of us, we've listened to a lot of different podcasts. We make a lot of different podcasts. And mm -hmm. when Ryan and I got together, we were trying to think of a different way to approach maybe a multi-artist show, as Ryan said. So what we do is... We've each taken six albums that are important to us individually, respectively, and we share them with the other one. And then we go back and forth and trade off albums. So what you're going to hear on each episode of Now Hear This is a different record by a different artist, and one of us will be very passionate about that record, and one of us <laughs> yep. will be coming in completely cold and... At the time of this recording, Ryan and I have gone through 10 episodes. Uh, we've recorded 10 episodes. Yeah. And let me tell you, some of these get a little contentious. Mm -hmm. Some of these are just straight up love festivals. Yes. And then sometimes we don't even know what to make of these albums. That's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. You can make them into a hat or a brooch. <laughs> Sorry. I have a question for both of you. Yes, Dad. Okay. Will there be any type of range for the albums that you'll be reviewing, whether they be through the 60s on upward, or will you be going backwards in time as well and looking at different artists, say, the Hoagie Carmichaels or the Gene Autrys and those type of things? You know, there's a couple records that 
date pre-60 for me. I don't think I'm going to dig those out until a later season. My idea of that show is limitless. It's no limit. The record could come out the week before. I was texting Paul, hey, can I change one out? You know, And we were like, no, no, let's stick to the script because, yeah, I just want to be as flexible as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to be a record that means something to one of us. So I would say as far as pre-60s material... I'm not listening to a whole lot of albums that are from that era because it also has to be an album proper. And I feel like the album as a as an idea really yeah. gained prominence in the 60s. So you really, you might not see too much before that. Or if you do, it would be more of like a collection of songs like those are right. early Elvis records or early rock and roll records. But what's your favorite Hoagie Carmichael album, Paul? Go. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, the best uh, one, yeah. Uh, the best one's his favorite one, yeah. <laughs> I think he's a character in Jaws 3. <laughs> but so, so I think the records that we've mainly chosen, at least for this first season, are sticking to... Well, actually, we ran kind of a pretty tight gamut. We've got at least 160s in there, at least 170s in there, at least 180s. Definitely an 80s one in there. I think we skipped the 90s, but we definitely have a bunch post-2000 and even a couple modern records. So, yeah, like Ryan says, it's very flexible, limitless in that capacity. And, you know, eventually we may want to branch out outside just the album form proper. But I think for right now, we're sticking in that album idea. How did you guys come up with the name Now Hear This? Oh, man. Well, Ryan, maybe we can tag team this one, but... sure. When we were discussing the show originally, we batted around a couple different ideas for names. We had, what was the first one? We had Take the Wheel was yes. what was the first idea. When when the show was going to be us driving around listening to these albums. But, but then we learned quickly that when you record a podcast in a car and then people listen to the podcast that's recorded into the car, it freaks them out. When they hear traffic noise, <laughs> they think they're getting yeah. honked at, and they're actually not. <laughs> so we didn't... Yeah. Uh, this this idea intrigues me greatly, of one person being very passionate and the other kind of coming to it fresh. Are you guys going to be including any possible guest appearances? Are you looking to branch out into having other people bring their favorite albums on? Or are you guys trying to stick to just for now, just for you guys? I think season one, for the most part, we are kicking around a surprise idea for the end of the season one or series one, however you want to say it. I'm open. If I can dig somebody out from the closet of some lost album that wants to talk about it, (laughs) you know, like I think of the Denny Lane stuff on Take It Away, and we're like, hey, what about this album from 86? Oh, I haven't thought about that since 1987, you know, (laughs) that type of thing. I I definitely would. Interesting. We've got a surprise or two kicking around. We we have talked about, yeah, we've talked about something in that vein. But we're we're uh, we're still working out the details on that. For right now, it's uh, it's mainly just Ryan and I. And you know, we hope that one of us will be the everyman point of view in the thing. So yeah. if people who are listening to the show haven't heard whatever album yet, they will have that perspective of somebody coming at it completely new. And I think that's the idea is to make sure that we're introducing new music to people. But right. honestly, that's a really hard thing to do. Like, have you ever actually tried to introduce music to somebody? It's super tough. Yep. So yep. one of, and not to mention podcasts. Uh, so thank you all for listening. But um, the, <laughs> it's super tough to introduce people to music because you, you know, people like what they like and they have their tastes and it's really hard to break that. And what I love about this show personally is I am now forced to listen 
to records I would never have thought to listen to or maybe would never have gotten around to listening to. And I've gotten to know artists that I would now consider my favorites yeah. uh, just through mm-hmm. Ryan giving me music. And so it's a great musical exchange in that way. And it gives you at least a, a little bit of a parameter to like, hey, start here kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, on the idea of giving music to somebody else, I know for me, nostalgia sometimes plays a factor and I could when giving music to somebody else, look at that through a more critical eye and go, oh, maybe this album isn't so great. Has that ever factored into any of these decisions? Like, has nostalgia goggles gotten all fogged up in the process? For me, that happened in the selection phase where I made a list and then I pushed a bunch of things into what, I mean, hopefully is our season two. And I haven't looked at that Mm -hmm. list in a while. And then I looked at it the other day and I'm like, yeah, I think I'm going to delete a couple of those. So (laughs) Yeah, me too. It's more, (laughs) it's it's knowing I have to talk to Paul about, give knowing what we've done already, the research you have to do. And then if you're the expert, you're carrying, I'm I'm not saying the other guy's not doing any work, but you're, you're leading the episode. You're carrying it. You need to come prepared because there's going to be somebody listening that goes, well, that's not true. That's I'm actually an expert on this album and blah, 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 which I wouldn't mind at all either. Yeah. But it's a wild sensation. And I don't know, Paul, if you've had this where I'll be sitting there and Paul will be leading an episode and I feel like I'm listening to a podcast. And then all of a sudden I realize, oh, wait, no, I'm recording a podcast and I get to talk. (laughs) So it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And we've also recorded most of these in the same room together. That's a different kind of vibe, too, where you're watching the other person in the meat space, James, as I know you call it. As I, yeah. You and I have only recorded in the same room together once, maybe twice. It, uh, I think twice, if you count the Florida experience in which Dad was also there. That's right. That's right. It's weird. One incident, there was a wafting smell of chicken covered in butter coming from my oven, That's if right. I recall correctly, and that tainted the whole thing. That's getting off into a tangent, but... Chicken and butter? What's wrong with that? We were also pretty loaded for that one, as I recall. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's that would be it. Though. Oh, the butter smell was overwhelming, Ryan. I assure you, it was not pleasant. <laughs> yes, and especially going in and editing these, I find myself just sort of sitting there, like, listening to Ryan talk and being totally fixated on the story and interested in the story of how the album came about. And then suddenly I'm there talking and it's like, oh yeah, I forgot I'm on this (laughs) thing. Oh yeah. I'm part of this production. Neat. Whoa. I get to say something dumb and make a fart joke. Right. (laughs) Right. There are a lot of of mature jokes when I go back and I listen, I go, wow, I wonder, I wonder what kind of trouble we're going to get into for this. And good. That's good marketing. <laughs> Have you listened to episode four yet, Ryan? That one gets pretty sketchy. No, I, I, I have them all loaded up and prepared. Even that Todd episode, I was like, whoa, <laughs> hey now, guys. Yeah. Let's give it a little sneak peek into some of the music that you guys are... Uh including do you guys want to tell us about some of that that you have coming up or do you want to save that as a surprise i mean let's talk let's talk about the first one at, at least ryan or should we talk about the first two maybe sure give them a taste right isn't that what drug dealers do <laughs> give them a taste yeah first one's free way back in time someone said try some i tried some now buy some i bought some So the first one is an album Ryan brought to the table for me to listen to called A Wizard, A True Star by Todd Rundgren. And this one 
was an eye-opener for me because I have been looking for an entry point for Todd Rundgren for a long time and never really found one that I glommed onto. So this one really blew my mind. It's a weird record, and yeah. I think that leads to some very interesting conversation about it. Because <laughs> again, I'm coming in this cold. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, I didn't like Todd Rundgren in the beginning. His solo material, Hello, It's Me, and all that stuff. I got really into him, as I did with David Bowie, when he quit all his solo stuff and joined the band and wasn't up front. And that was Utopia. And that's why I loved Utopia. I used to go and see him in New York. And they were fantastic. Wow. Most of Todd Rundgren, I remember from high school back in 72, was glam rock. And, you know, the people that were in my high school, my circle of friends, we did not listen too much to glam rock. I mean, we heard it, we were aware of it, but we didn't really right. think about it. I know Todd used to dress up and put on all kinds of different outfits during his concerts, similar to Bowie and what Bowie did. And, you know, we all looked at it and questioned it. So I'm interested in hearing your take on it many years later and what the... Uh, album means to you as a newer generation. Well, that's very interesting because that kind of segues into exactly what this podcast can do for not only Paul and Ryan, but for the everyday listener is kind of give a comfortable, safe, intellectual, let's say, uh, <laughs> space. Watch yourself. Uh, to, Watch yourself. <laughs> <laughs> to, um, to introduce new music to somebody on what that person would consider the best foot forward. Like, there was a lot of music in school that was similar to, Dad, your Todd Rundgren experience, where there was a certain crowd that liked a certain type of music, didn't really segue into the the people I was kind of hanging around with, so I may have avoided that type of music because I wasn't introduced to it properly or with any kind of passion or, you know, I didn't have the right introduction. And uh, something like this could bring about uh, some new some new perspectives into some new music. Yeah, to, to what you're saying, it's a safe space to hear new music. Yeah. Because sometimes, yeah, you look at something like, for example, Frank Zappa. I would love for somebody to just hand me a Frank Zappa record or two and go, here you go, here's how you start this madness. Because if you pick the wrong Zappa record, you're it's over. And I've done that a bunch of times where I feel <laughs> like I go to touch the oven and it's on and I burn myself. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'll try touching the oven again. Nope. That's a bunch of jazz that I can't understand. <laughs> no thanks. That's a good analogy of uh, Frank Zappa. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. It's about the blunts he doesn't smoke. <laughs> Ryan, I know you struggled with one of the artists just on a genre level that I brought to the fold at one point. Should yeah? Should we tease that one? I know it's a little later on yeah. down the line, but do you want to? No, no, no. Yeah, I uh, for the longest time, and I don't know if it's. I'm from the Midwest. I'm from the suburbs of Chicago, and there's a certain group of people that love country and Western music or the Nashville sound. And Paul handed me something. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> so much of slide guitars and those acoustic guitars or those metal things. I don't even know what the hell they're called. And it's like, oh Christ. And then I, you you put the album on. It's like, oh shit, this is actually great. I I wish I wasn't such an idiot. I wish I had dug into this material more before because I went on a really enjoyable ride for something that I didn't think that I would like. And I would hope that if you are ready to take a risk and want to hear something new, just put our episode on and maybe you'll have a whole new genre. It happened to me. Might happen to you. And it can happen to you. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and James, like you were saying in high school, there were some artists that I just didn't, or dead, like you were saying too, like there was just some artists that I didn't feel like I related to at all, was not interested, was confused by, or just, you know, wrote them off. And Ryan gave me a record by one of those artists. And I gained a whole new appreciation for that artist. And so, yeah, I think this is part of it is I I feel like I've mainly been talking about how this show has helped us and kind of like, whatever, listen to it. Maybe who cares? We're having fun. But like it, I found it to be kind of an educational, fun experience. Uh, It's now here. Therapy uh, (laughs) is the new name of the show. Well, That's key. And as I said before, I probably never listened to the entire album before the Todd Rundgren one. Yeah. So listening to the entire album, was interesting. It's a trip, right? It made me bring out my old Todd Rundgren albums and think about it. (laughs) There you go. Success. We got dad. You're next, listener. Oops, wrong planet. (laughs) Exactly. Hey, guys, we got dad. You got dad to think about it, which is a start. It's it's a good start. When is your new podcast going to begin? That's a great question. So we are planning on launching episode one, September 29th of this year, which is 2019, so... The year of our Lord. Yeah, the year of our Lord George Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Exactly. This is just a little color that you'd hear on the Now Hear This podcast, and frankly, all of our podcasts. (laughs) Yeah, so we're launching September 29th. We're going to be weekly, and the show is going to run for the entirety of those 12 albums we've picked out for season one on a weekly basis, and then we may have a little bit of a surprise at the end there, but yeah, we're we're launching on September 29th. And James, you've mm. been wonderful. You've designed all of the artwork for this show, which has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Anybody who's a fan of James Kaminsky's artwork can uh, check out that lovely stuff on our social media pages. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, designed is a strong word, but I, uh, I, I'm glad to have helped. In conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys so much for telling us about your new show. It sounds exciting, amazing, and I'm really looking forward to listening to it, diving deep into it, and uh, learning about some new music because Paul has always been the one to throw new music at me. I know how it feels, Ryan, so you're not alone. He is... <laughs> He has walked me through a lot of this. Uh, So I'm excited to hear some stuff that Paul's bringing to you. And Ryan, I'm excited to hear some stuff that you're bringing to him. And you guys can check it out. September 29th, Now Hear This, available wherever podcasts are available. Yeah, we'll go with that. Available. Yeah, I concur. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah, and you know what? Both of the shows that you put together, I love them. They're great. And I'll tell this anecdote because I've told it a couple times, and now I know you know, you hear these PR stories over and over again. The guys say the same story, and I actually get it. So I'm on the... Paul McCartney. One of the forums, <laughs> one of the online forums, yeah. <laughs> Our podcast actually started off as Scrambled Eggs. Well, great title, right? So I'm on one of these forums reading my own reviews because that's the kind of weirdo I am. And then I'm scrolling down like, oh, yeah, take it away. That's a pretty good show. That's all right. These guys are interesting. Some hate us. And then I... All of a sudden, I see, you know what's a better show? <laughs> it's, it's a show called Yesterday and Today. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. Seriously? But it's true. You, it's so thorough, and it's well put together, and it's a, it's a huge testament to the Beatles, and everybody needs to listen to that. So I just wanted to say that before we wrap up. And listen to Take It Away also, because that show is fantastic and dives deep into the McCartney catalog, which, uh, you know, more people should 
have their hearts opened up to in general. I agree. And you know, you can skip the third man altogether. You yeah, can just no, pass we, him we talk about just, turkeys way too often for us. There's to like a turkey to. thing. It's <laughs> a whole thing. Uh, but for Third Men listeners out there, I'll give a little bit of a hint of one of the albums we are going to be covering this season, and it will not be a spoiler to anyone else but those in the know, but you might just find ourselves sitting on this fence <laughs> listening to one of these albums. I, I get it. Oh, boy. One of my favorites. One of my, <laughs> I like that one a lot. Spoiler alert. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, yes. guys. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Uh, well, let's get back to all of our shows. All right. Back to work. <laughs> back to work. <laughs> back to the pod factory. Now hear this. <laughs> it's working. Or to contact the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time. James's blood sugar is crashing like the stock market in 1930. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna just James, buzz get a through cracker. this. Here. Twenty-eight, I think. Is that twenty-eight? Go eat a Go Twenty-eight. Hurry up. I'm Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky, and I'm Wayne Kaminsky, and we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts, Yesterday and Today, and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or. My dad from his better show than ours. <laughs> wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever. But to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes. Some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> You can head to our social media pages. That's Facebook.com slash Yesterday and Today Podcast or Facebook.com slash Third Men. Or you could head to Society6.com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's Society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. All right. We'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see oh, me. Um, James, are you still hungry? <laughs>